podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Friday where we are very much in celebration mode ahead of Liverpool versus Newcastle. We are celebrating for two reasons. Number one, Jurgen Klopp extending his contract, committing his future to the club. He will stay at Liverpool until at least 2026. And I do emphasise the words at least because there is an option to extend it further. Klopp wasn't looking for a pay rise, wasn't looking for anything else. He is committed to this club. And I don't think 2026 will be the end of it either. He'll only be 59 at that point. Who knows? Who knows? He might be here for two, three, four, five more years after that. It's a good time to be a Red. And we have Mrs. Ula Klopp to thank in part. Klopp said they were sitting around the kitchen table and it was her who sparked the conversation. I don't think we'll leave here in 2024. So he had a conversation with her. Then he had a conversation with Pep Linders. Linders was on board. I think that's massively important. Obviously, a lot of people have floated the idea of Linders as a successor to Klopp. And maybe he will be. But 2024 was not going to be the time for him. 2026, maybe. 2034 sounds about right, doesn't it? Klopp till then... He'll be 67. He can retire at that point. And then Linders will take over. Linders will only be 51. We could get a good 10 years out of him. That's fine. It's absolutely fine. The only thing that matters is that these men are committed to the club. And that will signal to the rest of Europe and especially to the rest of the Premier League that we're not going anywhere. That this is here to stay. And it's going to signal to players that Liverpool is a destination with a manager committed long-term, with world-class players committed long-term. And by players, I mean Salah, I mean Mane, and players at other clubs, players that we've been linked with, Chouameni, Bellingham. I mean, in a, a fantasy world, you could throw in Mbappe. I don't think we'll sign Mbappe, just to be clear. But, you know, every other player has to be now turning their head to Liverpool and going, well, they're one of the two best teams in Europe right now. They have a chance to do something no one's ever done. And most of the key pieces are going to be there long term and are going to still be great for many years to come. Alison Becker is going to be great 
for four, five, six more years. Virgil the same. Why wouldn't Virgil stay great when we see what Thiago Silva is doing? Thiago Silva has never been in his life as good as Virgil. But Manuel Nauer is 36. He's still great. So again, why can't Alisson stay great like that? Alisson's every bit as good as Nauer was in his prime. Thiago's 31. You look at Luka Modric at 36, almost 37, and you think, well, why can't he do that? Sure, he has the injury issues, but when he plays, he's still on another level to everybody else. Talked about Salah before, my belief that there's no reason he can't continue doing what it is that he's doing right up until the age of 35, 36. Look at the show pony in Manchester. There's a mentality in English football that if you score goals, you're playing well. So all Salah needs to do is score goals till he's 35, 36, 37, and people will say he's playing well. You see, unfortunately for Salah, the mentality is if you're not scoring goals, you're not playing well. So despite the fact that he's still as productive as he was pre-Christmas, it's simply a matter of he's scoring less goals. People think he's playing poorly. Now, speaking of Salah, he has today been named Football Writers Player of the Year. Kevin De Bruyne finished second. Declan Rice, bizarrely, was voted third. Uh, Nine Liverpool players in total received votes. I'd be curious to see that list and see who got votes. Because I'd imagine... I'd imagine Virgil did very well. I'd imagine Mo, oh sorry, Mane did very well. And Trent, I'd say, did very well. I'd like to see how many votes those players got. Mark Ogden has come out and said he voted for Virgil. And he said his main logic behind it was, look where Liverpool were with him, look where they were without him, look where they were with him again. And, and he's right. Think about this for a second. This is only Virgil's third full season with Liverpool. 18-19, we win the Champions League, almost win the title. 19-20, we walk the title. He misses almost all of last year and we finish third. And this season, we're in the running for the title, Champions League, we're in an FA Cup final and we won the League Cup. If you think someone else is Liverpool's most important player, you are fooling yourself. He is the system. He is the leader. He is the organizer. He's the one that sets the standards and holds the levels as high as they are. He is that guy. He is the single most important player at the club. Salah's great. Mane's great. There's many other great players. Virgil is number one. But Salah deserves player of the year. There's no question Salah deserves player of the year. Like, De Bruyne didn't start playing well till the turn of the year. Pre-Christmas, City fans were trying to say Bernardo Silva should be player of the year. There was about two weeks where Phil Foden should be player of the year. João Cancelo should be player of the year. Rodri should be player of the year. De Bruyne wasn't mentioned. His name only got brought into conversations after the turn of the year. I'd imagine Harry Kane got some votes. 
he didn't turn up till mid-January. I'd imagine Cristiano got some results. That guy is the reason United are as bad as they are. You can have your, have your goals all you want. But that team last year didn't have any problem scoring goals. And this season they can't score goals unless it's him who scores them. Last season they were pretty good defensively. This season they're an abomination defensively because they defend with 10 men because he doesn't do anything off the ball. Whereas you look at Salah and you look at the defensive work he puts in, they play different sports. Salah is better with and without the ball. Cristiano does one thing. It's like he plays, we used to call it Wembley when we were kids. Some people call it three and in. Score three goals, go and goal. We used to call it Wembley. I have no idea why. That's what Cristiano does. Headers and volleys. That type of game. Mo Salah plays football. And he's elite on and off the ball. Simon Brundish had some really, really impressive uh, data on Salah today. And it highlights why he is unquestionably the correct choice as footballer of the year. Let me just pull this up now. So most goals in the league, most assists in the league, most big chances created, most goal-creating actions, most big goals, most big goals and assists, most open play expected assists, second most through balls in the league, which is really impressive for a forward player, most progressive passes received, second most carries into the box, second most touches in the box, most Oh, sorry, most touches in the box, most penalty box touches, I, I assume they're the same thing. Uh, most shots, fifth most players dribble past, fifth most attacking third pressures. So he's doing all the on-ball stuff and he's still fifth in attacking third pressures, whereas Cristiano is last in the league in attacking third pressures. Last. And behind Salah and everything else. But yet some people will tell you Cristiano still a better player. Salah, this season, undeniably the best player in the league. Pre-AFCON, he was being called the best player in the world. He was the favourite to win the Ballon d'Or. He went to AFCON, he got run into the ground, he's come back and he's still been pretty good. Sure, he's had games where he's been frustrated and frustrating to us. Sure, there's been games where you just wish he'd pass the ball sometimes, but He's still been really good. He's still been a massive threat. And it's the threat he poses that has enabled Mane, Diaz and Jota to thrive because he attracts so much attention that they often get one-on-ones. And those three, one-on-one with pretty much any defender, are going to get the better of them. I'd love to know how it is that Salah only got 48% of the vote. I've seen some journalists say, oh, well, this was a much harder decision than it was a couple of months ago. Why? Because you judge this purely on scoring goals? I saw Marcotti say, well, if you look at Salah's non-penalty goals, he's only got the same 
as Hyungmin Son. Okay, Hyungmin Son is one of the best players in the league. And he's having a good season. So, what's the argument here? Son has been unbelievable this season. He's got 17 goals and 7 assists in the Premier League. What's the argument? Maybe I read Marcotti wrong, but that seemed to be what he was implying. That if you, that if you take away the penalties, it's not as impressive. Anyway, look, we are in a really good spot right now. A really, really good spot right now. And while we can take the time, and we should take the time to laugh at those across Stanley Park, to laugh at the red side in Manchester, we should also just take that time to appreciate what we have, what we're going to have, what we've already had with Jurgen Klopp and Salah and Van Dijk and all these players. It, it has to be, it has to be one of the most exciting times in the club's history. It just has to be. Like, I wasn't alive during the late 70s, early, well, I was born in 82, but I obviously wasn't aware of what was going on. Um, so, you know, I don't know what it was like to live through the Paisley era. But this has to be right up there. We're not as dominant now as we were then. But then, well, there were great teams. There was Cluffs Forest. There was that Villa team that won the European Cup. There wasn't these countries owning, owning clubs like we have to compete with now. There was nobody like City spending the money they did. Like, there was no way back in... Well, let's be fair. There is no way in the history of the game that any other club could spend a British record fee on a player, not play him in most of their biggest games, and not come under massive question. And for all the City fans that will try and tell you, oh, but in the second year, in the second year under Pep, that's when these players take off. Okay, maybe. Who's he starting over? Who's Jack Grealish starting over in a best City eleven? Because he's awful as a false nine, like genuinely awful, as bad as you'll ever see. He can't play as a number eight. We've got years of proof of that from when he was at Villa. He was brought to City to be a number eight, and that was scrapped after one game when he was terrible away to Spurs. The only place in that team he can play is the left-sided forward role. Now, if they are to sign Erling Haaland this summer, Phil Foden is most likely going to have to play that left-sided forward role. And then Sterling and Mares, you'd imagine, will compete for that right-sided role. So where's Jack Grealish going to play? when he's much improved. Just one to think about. We don't have that luxury, but yet we still compete with them. That's how good we are. That's how good we are. They can spend 100 million on a player, have him flop, and it doesn't affect them. If we spend 100 million, Sky would do special broadcasts on the player 
and every single touch would be analyzed. Remember when we spent 75 million on Virgil? Remember what that was like? Every single Virgil game was micro-analyzed as they all sat around and waited for a mistake. And fortunately, the man just doesn't make mistakes. Very hard to make a mistake when you are, in fact, a cyborg. So you should be excited. You should be excited at the fact that we're this good, we can compete with clubs like that who can spend that much money. You should be excited that Klopp is signed on long-term. You should be excited that Mo has won Player of the Year, his second time winning Player of the Year. He joins a short list of players who've won it twice. And would you bet against him winning it a third time and joining Thierry Henry as the only players to win it three times? I don't think you would. And if he does win it three times, there's going to have to be a real conversation had over whether Salah is the best forward player in the history of the Premier League. If he signs this contract and continues to do what he's been doing, he's going to go down as the best forward the Premier League has ever seen. There's a game tomorrow. We play Newcastle. But it just seems like it's unimportant because Klopp has signed a contract. Nothing else really seems to matter because we know that Klopp is going to be here long term and we know that everything that's good is going to stay good. So I'll see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy what should be a good game of football. Hopefully three points for the Reds. And then, hopefully, Jesse Marsh pulls off the shock, gets himself a nice point, or even three, against Pep. And then myself and Carl are going to do an Americanized version of Scouted next week with a special nod of the cap to Wisconsin. So I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.